1: Your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We are two writers who got our start covering the Chargers at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, where we covered the Chargers for six seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I also write for the LA Football Network, and now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up guys? Happy Thursday. I hope you guys enjoyed the interviews the last couple of days. We really enjoyed our interviews with Jordan Reed and Tariq Thompson. I thought they both, you know, came on here and really gave us some insight into the, you know, how the draft process is going and how these players are being evaluated. On today's show, we don't have an interview, but we do have a lot to get into because we're going to be starting with some rule changes that happened in the NFL, including some notable Chargers probably going to change their jersey numbers. So, we'll start there. And also get into a couple more of the rule changes as well. And then in the second and third segment of today's show, we're going to get into Daniel Popper's list of 10 sleepers that could make sense for the Chargers. So we're going to break down five in each of the second and third segments. I think there's some really good names in there. I think there's some really good players in there that are worth talking about. Both to, you know, hopefully carve out rules with this team and also be some special teams contributors as well. So a lot of good things to get into in our sleeper list, and we'll talk about whether or not we agree with the picks on there too, and if we'd be interested in the Chargers potentially targeting those guys. So, before we get started, let me just tell everyone if you don't already, you can follow the show wherever you get your podcast from the new Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever, and also welcome into our new listeners and all of our returning fans as well. So, let's go ahead and get into it. One of the things that definitely took Twitter by storm on Wednesday was that the NFL approved six new rule changes, including being less strict on the number policy that they have for certain position players to have certain numbers. So the new rule regarding the number changes for certain positions is this. Defensive backs will now be allowed to wear numbers from 1 to 49. Running backs, fullbacks, tight ends, H-backs, and wide receivers will be allowed to wear the numbers 1 through 49 and 80 to 89. Both offensive and defensive linemen will now be able to wear 50 to 79, while defensive linemen may also wear the numbers from 90 to 99, and linebackers will be allowed to wear 1 through 59 and 90 to 99. So a lot of those are the same, at least a big portion of those number ranges they were allowed to use before, but mainly what this is telling us is, you know, positions like safety and linebacker can go back to some of the numbers that these players wore in college, and The ones that we thought about right off the top, David, that could potentially change their numbers are Kenneth Murray going back to nine like he was in college. Also, you have Derwin James, who has already talked about potentially going back to the number three and Mike Williams going back to the seven that he wore at Clemson. And I think, you know, there's a chance that all of them do that.
2: Yeah, I definitely think there's more than a chance. I think it's an automatic. Now, when that happens, we don't really, we're not quite sure about that, but I know Derwin James has already tweeted a picture of himself with the with the number three out there from his college number. And I know that's kind of a foregone conclusion. Kenneth Murray has done the same thing. He definitely is very excited, and hey, he's got a built-in nickname. I mean, K-9, that is a sick nickname. I mean, I, I like it, and I can't wait to, to use that when we're talking about Kenneth Murray in his second year with the Chargers. And Mike Williams, I mean, hey, maybe he goes back to seven and he balls out and earns himself some big money in his next contract, whether that's with the Chargers or somebody else. But um, I think this is pretty cool. I mean, I think this is just the NFL coming to grips with the times and also just, you know, doing other things
0: to make these players, you know, happy and make, make them more comfortable. So, I mean, I, I like that. And I think with the extended practice squads last years and the extended rosters, I think that also played a part of it, too, just because, you know, teams having retired numbers. Having those bigger roster and practice squad spots, right, there's more numbers that they need to go around there. So I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, maybe Austin Eckler will go back to the number three that he wore when he was in training camp with the Chargers as an undrafted free agent. I doubt it. But another low key one was Drew he'd Tranquil. Have fi- he'd have to fight Derwin James for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. why it's not going to happen. But you actually told me about Drew Tranquil also talking about him potentially going back to the number 23 because... As a linebacker, he couldn't wear 23, right? He had to be in the numbers that they had before, over 40, under 60, that type of thing. Now he can go back to 23 if he wants it. And I'm sure that you know is a number that is well-liked by a lot of DBs and things like that too, but he's a low-key one that could happen. I think the bigger question now is, like you were talking about, when are they going to change it? Because the rule is, is if you want to change your number for the upcoming season, you have to pay for all of the unsold merchandise that they have of your number, all the jerseys they have with your number in warehouses and things like that. You have to pay for that stock. But if you decide to give them notice and then you want to change it the next year, you can do it free of cost. You don't have to pay anything and you can change your number that way. So we could see some single digits this year on some players we haven't seen them before. We'll see who wants to sign that paycheck. And I know one of our fans on Twitter ended up saying something about you having to wait a few years before you can change your number, I haven't seen anything about that, I think it's more just about when you have to pay for it, and when you don't, so that'll be very interesting to think, that'll be very interesting to see, and I think it'd be really cool to see, you know, some single digit linebackers, and safeties, and things like that, but I definitely feel for all the fans, right, because the fans who just bought jerseys, I mean, so many people commenting to us, I just bought this jersey, and I know a lot of the places you can get those don't have assurances necessarily for that. And I think that's the worst part of it all. But a couple of the other rule changes that stood out to me were them trying to change the onside kick process. Now only nine people can be in the setup zone after only three of 67 were converted in the 2020 season. They're trying to make it easier to get onside kicks. One player was usually back out of the 11 anyways. I don't think it changes that much, especially with the other things they've done for safety there. But they didn't approve the one where they had to try to go for it on fourth and long run an offensive play to trying to get the ball back. That would have been very interesting. But the only other one here, David, I thought was worth talking about in this sense was they're going to use the booth umpires to be able to make calls on the field while sitting up there while the game is going on without having to stop play. If there is something very obviously wrong that the refs miss or they don't know right off the bat, they can easily, you know, kind of talk to them and say, hey, this is what happened. The ball hit the ground. Things like that. And I think that actually hopefully will speed up the game. Well, we've always had this technology
2: to be able to do this. I mean, they've had the technology to be able to do this the last 20 years. So anytime you can get more communication, you can get different points of views from different angles to get information to the line judges on the field. Um, and, you know, get those get those calls right more often. I think that's something that you have to do. So I'm happy to see this. Hopefully it will increase the, the play of the game and avoid some, some unneeded stoppages because I, I know we've seen some plays out there that were like, why did they even review this? It doesn't make sense. They stopped the game for that. So hopefully this avoids some of those instances and we can keep the ball on the field
0: and continue the game. You have to be careful with technology, right? Because I think we saw that after the atrocity in the playoff game with the Saints and the Rams on that non-pass interference call. The next year, they had the one-year trial of being able to challenge pass interference calls, right? And people still were unhappy with it because there wasn't a lot of consistency in how they ended up making those judgments. So it happened because they were trying to do a good thing, but just because you're trying to do a good thing, especially you know on subjective things, That is something that, you know, is always a little bit risky. And then the only other big one that I saw was just them also saying they're going to put more of an emphasis on throwing flags for taunting and over celebration and things like that. That's never really something that bothers me. I mean, if something's super overt, I get throwing a flag for it, you know, if you're really rubbing it in someone's face. But I think we like the interactions between the players, you know, and I think that adds to the game. And I think when you're trying to emphasize something that is such a judgment call, like celebrations or taunting and things like that, that always gets a little bit risky because we don't want to see more flags in the game, right? I think it's we an emotional all, game, guys. Yeah.
2: I mean, let them play.
0: Totally, and I just I, mean, I don't know anyone who's a favor. Hey, we need more penalty flags on the field, right? I don't think many people are clamoring for that, but the single digit number is definitely something that everyone was talking about on Wednesday, and I could see why it's something I'm excited about, but I understand some people's reservations as well. But we do have two more segments to get into because. The draft is coming up next Thursday, guys. It's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely nuts that we're already here. So we're going to get into some sleeper picks, 10 different sleeper picks from Daniel Popper of The Athletic and how they would fit with the Chargers coming up right after this. But first thing you tell you guys about rockauto.com, which is the only place that I go to get any of my car parts. And for me, I've already personally used them several times. Every time I use them, I always try to call my stepdad, who's a mechanic, make sure I'm getting a good price. Make sure I'm getting the right thing. And they haven't steered me wrong yet, which is surprising because I know nothing about cars. So when they make a website that I can go through and find the part that I need and know I'm not getting ripped off you know, for it, that's great. And I think those are all the best things about rockauto.com. Whether you're a mechanic or a daily driver, everybody ends up getting the same price. And for me who doesn't want to you know, venture into the wild and go talk to a man at the counter at a chain storefront and talk to him about what I need Instead, I can just go type in the type of car I have, and then I get it delivered right to my door. So I think that's the biggest thing with rockauto.com. Convenience. It's super simple, super easy, and as always, you want to save money, you're getting the best price. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck, and write locked on in there, how did you hear about us, box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, just visit rockauto.com.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, guys, Well, I start this segment, once again, thanking someone who has just come out with a ton of great Chargers content this offseason. And that's a Daniel Popper who gave us some sleepers to look at, right? Because when you're trying to think about, you know, sleeper picks and things like that, you can look up lists and things and see who other people are targeting to see who they think is going to be available. Because on day three, which I mean, it has to be at least day three, for you to be considered a sleeper pick, you don't know who's going to be there. That's the widest variance of, you know, who is actually still going to be on the board because of the selections other people were making, right? I mean, I think Jordan Brooks, the linebacker then went to Seattle in the first round, was like a fifth-round pick projected, right? You just see things like that every year, so you really don't know who is going to be there. But Daniel Popper came up with 10 different prospects the Chargers could target on day three sleeper picks. But before we get into them, I do want to tell everyone that our episode on the Ultimate Mock Draft podcast by Odyssey Sports actually came out on Wednesday. So if you want to check out who we selected for the Chargers with the 13th overall pick and what the experts have to say about it, you guys can do that by following them on the new Odyssey app. So make sure you guys check that out because it is draft time. But let's get to this list of prospects and let's start with a couple of guys they have listed at tight end. One of them surprised me because one was Ben Mason from Michigan, who I don't think of as a tight end. I think of him as a fullback because... I saw him playing fullback at the Senior Bowl. That was mostly why he played at Michigan, and I loved him. I mean, super physical, blows people out of the water as a fullback, and I think he had three career receptions, Daniel Popper put, but when he was there doing the one-on-ones with linebackers and stuff, he did not look out of place. So as far as you know, a tight end goes, I don't know if I can fully buy in on that, but, you know, kind of a guy who could be versatile in that way. I mean, the Chargers had Gabe Neighbors there, right? So that is something that they would be interested in having a tight end slash fullback kind of competition. And then the other one he has on here is John Bates, the tight end from Boise State. And both of these guys, David, fill one particular purpose. Brandon Staley talked about having guys that are in line blockers at tight end and guys that you want to split out and get on one-on-one mismatch opportunities, running a lot of routes, things like that. They currently only have one of those type of guys on the roster, Steven Anderson, Donald Parham, and also Jared Cook. They're all receiving tight ends, so Daniel Popper here is saying, hey, I would like them to take one in the top 100, a tight end that is, but if they decide to wait, here's a couple of guys that could come in as ready-made blockers.
2: Yeah, and I like this approach. I think the Chargers, like you said, already have three guys that they feel really good about as far as established pass catchers and guys who have a lot of potential in that aspect, like Donald Parham and Steven Anderson, who showed uh, showed a couple of things late in the year. But I think this is where you go, and I like these both of these guys for their profiles, but anytime anyone is described as a nasty blocker, I mean, I love that. I'm all over it. And that's kind of the prototype that the Chargers are looking for. They had Virgil Green, the the veteran tight end the last couple of years that served in that role. You didn't really see him catch many passes, but you did see him in on a lot of running downs. And that's the type of profile that the Chargers, I think they, they should address and go after. And for me, I like both of these guys, but violent lead blocker is right up my alley. So Ben Mason, I think, is probably one of the guys on
0: this between these two guys that I'd be a little more interested in. He's definitely one of the guys on this list that I'm most interested in, just in general, because I think he could be, you know, a type of Kyle Juszchek guy. Like he can be a guy that, you know, he's not a tight end, but he can run some routes at times. He's a violent guy that played a ton of different positions. Even playing defensive tackle, I did not know that before reading this article. That was surprising. Started at defensive tackle for Michigan at one point as a guy who's like a full backslash tight end or whatever. But I think the better point that he brings up here is. Neither Donald Parham or Steven Anderson or Jared Cook are going to really help you in special teams, right? So both of these guys potentially could help you on special teams and really, you know, serve some other purpose than being the fourth string potentially tight end, right? So I think that's. The yeah, other they're going to have it. to, right? right. They're going to
2: have to be able to do that at, that at the NFL level.
0: Yeah, but Ben Mason out of those two guys is definitely the guy that got me the most excited, but I'm a big Tommy Tremble guy too, so. It uh, yeah, kind don't of falls into the type of guys we like. But anyways, let's get into these offensive linemen because the next two picks he has are Larnell Coleman, who's an offensive tackle for UMass, the University of Massachusetts, and an offensive guard from Texas A&M, Jared Hawker. So I'll start with Hawker because I think when you're looking for backup offensive linemen, I think there's two different types, right? You get a super developmental project that you want to I mean, maybe potentially groom into a starter later, or you get a guy that you know is pretty technically sound, but at the same time doesn't have a very high ceiling. I would think that Jared Hawker is the latter of those. I mean, he is a huge guy, and, you know, Dana Popper brings up repeatedly. The Chargers want length. The Chargers want length. Both these guys are bringing length and size because he also said he wants them to get bigger. Jared Hawker, I mean, I think could potentially turn into something, you know, as far as a guy that's not going to lose you games in a pinch if he comes in and develops as a backup. Larnell Coleman from UMass is a little bit different because... I think that he has more potential to be something else. He has a higher ceiling of these two guys, but he would take a lot more work. Well,
2: and I think in the past, you'd be really scared to pick uh, a Larnell Coleman just because of the Chargers' inability to really develop players. I mean, they just haven't had coaches that have been able to, to bring guys that are, you know, more of a project and bring them along and, and make them into like solid contributors. We just haven't seen that track
0: record of success. So With I'm Sam sure Tevye some- and Trey Pivkins, right? I mean, those are, right. are the guys, the middle round to late round picks that you're trying to develop into something else. You know, one of those guys turns into a starter, albeit not great on the right side, one of the worst in the league, has a right. pretty good season at left tackle. So that's one of those guys who it's like, I don't really know how to feel about that. And the other guy we haven't seen show the ability to start at all at this point going into his third season.
2: Right, and, you know, of course there's new, new coaches in the building now, so maybe these guys, you know, with the, that track record of development that Brandon Staley said that he was, you know, needed, that was essential for them to be on the staff, maybe they'll be able to do that. But, I mean, we'll really see, you know, when they take later round offensive linemen, because I do believe they will do that. I, I think this is a draft where they're going to take multiple big guys up front. I think they, they might lean towards a more polished product, just uh, just to start, so I think with with that being said, that I think you would look at Jared Hawker. I mean, just that gigantic presence uh, in the middle as a guard, a guy who's played both guard spots, uh, and come in and and really be a serviceable backup. And I think that's an improvement from the Chargers' offensive lines of the past.
0: Well, it'd be an improvement of how they draft, you know, players like this in the past too. But there's one more guy I want to get here to in the last, you know, in the first five guys we're breaking down. From this article from Daniel Popper of The Athletic, and that's Ade Ogandaji, the edge defender from Notre Dame. This is a guy that would fit Tom Telesco's profile of drafting Notre Dame players, but he ended up having seven sacks in 13 games in the 2020 season, led the team there, has the physical traits, super long, 35 and a half inch arms, six foot four and a half. This is a guy that has those kind of traits, but at the same time, There are some concerning things because I would agree with the assessment that he is a little bit stiff. He's not beating guys to the corner. He does end up getting to the quarterback a lot in 2020, but you wonder how that's going to translate at the next level. You would once again be betting on a high character guy as they talk about here. He said he's a team captain, all of those things. But we haven't necessarily always seen those guys turn productive seasons in for the Chargers in the past. No, we
2: haven't. But I think this is a guy who has some physical traits, That kind of resembles Frankenstein's monster. I I think (laughs) you you look at him and you're like, okay. I mean, these are some things that I can work with. I I think Brandon Staley, if he takes a guy like this, he's trying to project what he can create him or mold him into and what he can make him in in the next couple of years. This is definitely a guy who needs a lot of refinement. I think that was pretty clear. Um, But he has the physical traits that if you can unlock those and really, you know, coach that up and utilize those tools to the most effectiveness, a guy who could be a solid contributor on the edge.
0: Yeah, and that's all you're looking for. And we've talked about that, too. Just you're looking for contributors, especially if you're getting to day three. Isaac Rochelle was a contributor. Sam Tevy was a contributor. But we've also seen the Donovan Clarks of the world, the Dylan Cantrells that never really even played for the team. The Tevin Reese's, the Marion Grice's, those are what you're trying to avoid. If you can get a special teams player, if you can get a contributor this late, that's something to look for. Unfortunately, I think when you brought up Frankenstein's monster, it just reminded me of how stiff Frankenstein was, you know, walking with super straight legs (laughs) and the super straight arms. That part of it seems a little bit accurate, but definitely a moldable project that the Chargers could potentially see, you know, playing some sort of role for them. And obviously he played for Notre Dame, so might as well just write it up. But we do have one more segment to get into because we are going to look at the last five sleepers that Daniel Popper pegs the Chargers for targeting in the upcoming draft. So we're going to get into those guys coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Right now, my biggest bets I have going are on the NFL draft where guys are going to be selected, who's the first offensive player selected in the draft, where is Kyle Pitts going to go, and also you know, betting over-under on team win totals. I told you guys on yesterday's show, the Chargers are at 9 right now. That's a very interesting line for them. I think that's a very well-placed line for them, but you can also just bet on who's going to win the AFC West, who's going to win the Super Bowl, all of those great things as well, and all you have to do is head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word for free money to bet with, only at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.
0: All right, before we get into our last five 2021 draft sleeper picks, I want to tell you guys that our episode on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, the podcast that you can find on the Odyssey app, has now aired, and you can see who we picked at the 13th overall pick. I can tell you at this point, the big four were gone. They were off the table when we decided to make this pick. So make sure you go look at who we decided to pick and make sure you follow the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, where you can hear people like Brian Baldinger and Michael Irvin breaking down all of the picks in the first round of the 2021 draft. So much good analysis over there. Make sure you guys check it out. But let's go ahead and get into this year because we have five more players to look at. And I think there's a theme here. Special teams would be the theme of these five guys. But I want to talk about Taquan Graham here, the defensive lineman from Texas. Shout out to John, who's off at basic training, who would love to be interviewing Tariq Thompson and talking about Taquan Graham. But he's not, so we'll do it for him. This is one that intrigues me a little bit because I think it's a guy that's, you know, has some flashes, has some flashes of getting by people, overpowering people at times, definitely has the long arms that they're looking at, and also showed some positional versatility too. This is interesting, Dave, because obviously the Chargers need to add some help to the interior of the defensive line and find guys that can move around a little bit more.
2: Yeah, they absolutely do. I mean, for Taquan Graham, I mean, the 35-inch arms, I mean, at three, I mean, he's definitely got the size and the length and the measurables that you're looking for. But this is a a guy who's also really, really raw. And I I think that you're you're really going to have to put a lot of coaching and time into him at the next level because, as Dane Brugler puts it, his impact is sporadic and non-threatening to offenses. That's definitely not a moniker that you want to have as a defensive lineman. So hopefully, I mean, if if this is a guy that the Chargers do pick up, it's for the projection for what they see he can be and for a guy who has to be able to come in and be be a special teams contributor if he's going to make it because that's where he's going to have to make his name until he's able to work his way onto the defense.
0: And that's harder to do for some defensive linemen and players like that, right? It's much easier if you're a linebacker or a secondary member. Brandon Staley already talked about, you know, how that's another thing that's good about having a lot of DBs. They're usually the best players on special teams too. So it's harder to make the team that way. And I mean, I think it's, you know, you have to keep in context too that Popper does say in here, This would be a 6th or 7th round developmental pick. So maybe you can think of this as your second 6th round pick that you get for Desmond King, right? So it's not as if they're going to spend something big on this. And I think when you see flashes from him, it is pretty much all just because of the physicality. And not just because of outstanding technique and things like that. And I think you draft late guys two ways. You go high character guys that produce but don't project well to the NFL necessarily athletically. Or you get super athletic guys that you, you know hope that you can refine their skills and get something that way. So this would definitely be the latter of those two. But let's get into a couple of linebackers here because he has a Derek Barnes, the linebacker for Purdue, who ran a 4-5-7-40, a guy who's super fast, and another guy, Buddy Johnson, the linebacker from Texas A&M, who also ran a four five seven forty. 40 So, David, I think this is something we were talking about the show. It's just how much do you want to spend on it because Derek Barnes could potentially be someone who is not ready to come in right away at all, but could show some development to be a decent coverage linebacker, carve out a role for himself defensively, while Buddy Johnson is a guy that you're specifically drafting for special teams play, and maybe he turns into something, but you're not necessarily banking on him playing a role defensively. You would just be a more of a special teams maven type of a player, but what do you want to spend on it? That's the question. I mean that is the
2: ultimate question is are you willing to give around a, a fourth round pick for Darren Barnes, Derek Barnes, which is what they are projecting him to go? I mean, and of course that, that all depends on what you've done with the first you know four picks that you've had in the draft, your first round, second, and your two thirds if you're able to make a pick like this, if Derek Barnes at this point in the fourth round is your best player available, then, you know, I'd be okay with taking him. But if not, I mean, and I would probably find that hard to believe that he'll be your best player available. I would probably lean towards going more of a guy like Buddy Johnson. Cause you know, he's going to come in right away and make an impact on special teams. Given that he had 557 special team snaps in college. This is a guy who's known for that. He makes impact plays on special teams. At least you know he also has the speed, you know, similar speed at four, five, seven. Um mirror yeah, exactly. (laughs) It mirrors Derek Barnes's speed. So you know that he has some physical physical traits to potentially translate to the defense, but you know he's gonna be a contributor on special teams immediately.
0: And he's going to cost you a lot less. You know, maybe that's a sixth or seventh round pick. And to Daniel Popper's credit, he said that it is a deep position at linebackers i mean comparatively with kenneth murray kazir why andrew tranquil all guys we've seen start for this team at this point but if he Derek barnes that is decides to fall a couple of rounds then it might become really interesting right because now the need kind of you know lines up with where you think his best value would potentially be but i did think it was interesting that, that barnes played edge rusher and had seven and a half sacks as a junior before switching to off linebacker his senior year so, obviously, he has a propensity for edge rushing, too, probably blitzing, too. So, that is something that is interesting as well. But let's get to the last couple of guys here. We have Brian Mills, a cornerback from North Carolina Central, one I was not able to find tape on. This was a guy that I'll have to take their word what they're saying. And I think I understand why it's attractive because they're saying, you know, good speed. Six foot one, but is a guy that ended up playing two years of junior college and one year at FCS NC Central, North Carolina Central. So not the biggest level of competition to be sure. And then the last guy is Sean Davis, a safety for Florida, who I actually really liked. I did get to watch him, and he's a guy that is like the Chihuahua that thinks he's a pit bull. He's an undersized safety who I thought had pretty good instincts and loved going up, playing downhill, and making tackles on the football, which is something that. I like to see, obviously, with his body, I did see him get, you know, shook off a couple of times because he still is only 5'10", weighing about 200 pounds. But he was a guy that I thought, you know, that's attractive because you could see some sort of role as a defensive player. But he's the guy that's just going to, you know, run full speed down the field and potentially make a tackle for you on special teams as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I was with you as well with Brian Mills. I didn't see anything on Brian Mills out there. I mean, Kind of hard hard to find tape on a, a small school like North Carolina Central, but with Sean Davis, I agree with you. I, I like that feisty attitude as well. I, I think it, it always has you know some space on a team. I mean, you have that just relentless, I don't care if you're bigger than me, I'm going to try to run you over no matter what attitude, I think that translates. It definitely translates on special teams, but these they're saying also that he can come in and fight for a nickel rule. So, I mean, Brandon Staley has already said you can never have enough DBs. He said it many, many times. Sean Davis could would fit that billing. We already know there's a, a lack of position – Uh, strength at safety on this team so adding another safety who can definitely show up on special teams right away and probably move move up the depth chart and maybe overtake alohi gilman i think you definitely take the chance on that
0: yeah i mean i don't think that's out of the question at all i mean i liked what i saw from him i mean and let me be fair to brian mills just because we didn't watch him i mean i i'll go with what they said and this is what brugler ended up writing his fluidity and long speed appear to be good enough at the nfl But he can get off balance. His transition due to false steps overall, Mills is understandably raw from a technique and recognition perspective. But he plays long, alert, and athletic will be an interesting project for NFL defensive coaching staff. So this is a guy that, yeah, I mean, he would be a special teams player. And, you know, if he played at a bigger school, he's probably not a sleeper going very late in the draft, right? If you find someone with those kind of physical traits and you see him playing up against really good competition at the collegiate level you feel more sure about it so this is definitely a dart throw kind of pick where hey we'll see if he can translate into the nfl after playing one year of fcs football two years of junior college ball. i mean you have to be pretty athletically gifted to get that kind of chance so maybe he's a back tall task undrafted free agent type of player because i mean even you know michael davis a lot of good physical traits played at byu which isn't obviously an fcs school ends up getting a chance right but that takes a little while so it could be the same kind of thing there But Sean Davis, somebody that I hadn't watched going into this, somebody that I watched and somebody that I liked, especially, you know, if he is a fifth or sixth round pick, something like that, I could definitely get behind it because I do think they need to take a safety before that. But if they're trying to double down with a pick like Sean Davis, you can absolutely count me in on that. But that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you to you guys for checking it out. And also thank you to Daniel Popper for giving us a list of sleepers to discuss. I think there was a lot of good names on there, but that is going to do it for us today. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be doing our Top 5 Friday, and what that means is we're going to be getting into some positional outlooks for this upcoming draft, starting with the two biggest positional needs for the Chargers. Tomorrow, we'll be getting into our Top 5 offensive tackles and our Top 5 cornerbacks for the upcoming 2021 draft. So, if you guys want to hear who our top five guys are, you guys can check out tomorrow's show because we'll be getting into not only probably those top five guys, but we'll probably give some honorable mentions and guys that, you know, may be more likely to make it to the Chargers at 47 and things like that. So, make sure you guys check that out tomorrow. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockdownLAC and to like the Facebook page Lockdown Chargers. You can also follow us wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's the new Odyssey app or Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast from, you should follow us there to keep up with the daily format. If you guys want to get your voicemails on the show, the number is 323-524-7924, and we try to get every charge voicemail played on the show. But make sure you guys check back in with us tomorrow because we'll get into our top five Friday, the top five offensive tackles, the top five cornerbacks in the upcoming draft. But until then, take it easy and go bolts.
1: Hey, Prime members.